the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. You may be seated. That is the antiphon for the intro at today, and it's where the name of this Sunday in Advent comes from when it is in Latin. So your soul, then, is lifted up toward God. But how? Well, you trust in him, and you are not put to shame. And you see, that's what you confessed this day and what God places before you as you begin a new church year. Your eyes are oriented to the God who rides through the streets of Jerusalem, your Lord who comes as king to redeem his people, to redeem you. And that's something then, isn't it? You think about always starting off a new church year with this reading that also is for Palm Sunday. But really, that's the way the Lord would have you think during this season. Everything in Advent is all couched with meaning as prophecy, fulfillment, and the coming of Jesus again are all interwoven into these four Sundays. It's all pregnant with anticipation and hope as you look to Jesus riding through the streets of Jerusalem on his way to the cross. And you see, you see all of this through the word of God. You know what this means. You know where he's heading. You know what your future is, and even as his future, what it looks like at the end of that week. You know what awaits him, and in turn, you know what awaits you, even as you are sitting here right now. So all of this past, this present, this future, it comes to a head, and your response to all of this, as you behold it, is, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust, let me not be put to shame. And that's the faith given to you by God, which speaks these words. It's the answer to the question of the hymn of the day you sang a few minutes ago. That beautiful hymn by Paul Gerhardt, O Lord, how shall I meet you? How welcome you are right. You are waiting and lifting your souls to the Lord. This is your whole life lived toward God. It's a life which shouts out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now in the epistle reading, God inspired St. Paul to address you then as you go through this life, waiting, hoping, looking for the day of the Lord. St. Paul wrote by a divine inspiration, Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So you see, then, it is a serious thing to wait for Jesus. It's a serious thing to lift up your soul to him. Because if your soul is lifted up toward God, it means it's not gazing down at yourself. It's not getting lost in the chaos of the world. The turning inward of sin is the opposite of what it means to look to Jesus in faith as he comes. And that's what the Lord has warned you of in many of the readings at the end of the church here in the past few weeks. And it's this theme that still runs through the part of Advent. So God calls you to lift up your eyes, lift up your heart, 
Lift up your body, lift up your soul, lift up your whole being to the one who has come, who continues to come, and yes, who is coming again. But it's tough. It's tough because looking down is sure easier than looking up. It's far easier to fix your gaze on yourself and the world because that gaze doesn't require you to wait. It doesn't require you to suffer. It doesn't call you to examine your life. It doesn't call you to repent. Looking down in your soul to the depths of sin, death, and the devil means that you will have your life to live according to your liking here and now. And it means you can be in charge of how it's lived. That life of looking down is always looking inwardly and asking questions like, well, what makes me happy? What do I think is best? What do I think the way things should be? Or how do I think the way things should be? What do I love to do? What is the easiest? What will get people to like me? Well, the book of Proverbs tells us the fool delights in expressing his own opinion. And so we know that this life is opposite of what God calls you to live, opposite of what he calls you to be as his child. It's a life that the whole time you're walking along the path with your head down, you get closer and closer and closer to the edge closer to the pit. But when you are looking in this direction, you don't pay attention to what lies ahead. And as, or you kid yourself and think the path is safe, the way is easy because this life is comfortable and I can see just what my nose is in front of my nose. It can be put out of sight, out of mind. You don't have to deal with these serious things. You don't have to think about things like death. You don't have to think about things like the end of the world. You don't have to think about things like sin and any number of things. And in this darkness, there's no one to cast judgment on you because each person is traveling his own way with his own eye looking downward. And who's to say what direction is right? Because when no one can see anything, who's to know what direction there is to begin with? Sin is tricky like that. And so are the ways of the devil in the world. So why wait? Why look for someone else when you can have this life here and now, not dictated by another, when you can be focused on me, myself, and I? When you take your eyes off of Christ, though, you will start to see things. You'll see sin. You'll see its consequences. You'll see sin in yourself, in others, in the world around you. And even though you might not want to see it, you will see death. All of this is around you, so where are you going then to turn? Where are you going to look in this world for your help, your comfort, and your guidance. Well, even as you're looking down, there will be many things crying out. There will be many people which will offer you a solution. And even those might be appealing. They may sound like the easy way through life. They may sound like another gimmick or tactic in order to put yourself in control. Many of them will not call you to suffer either. False gods have a way of doing that as well. But at the end of the day, then you hit a wall, the curtain is pulled back, And you find there's no deliverance. There's only demands, accusations, no truth. There's no forgiveness as well when you do fail, and you will. There's only you and yourself to make things right and finally see the the true frailty, the true depravity with no solution, no comfort, no light. And so our Lord warns us about how sin has a way of ruling our lives how it can become the king who rules not only outward actions, but how you know and perceive the world in which you live. 
a God forms in ourselves, and we trust in what gratifies our desires on the one hand, and we're told what is good, permissible, and should be celebrated on the other, even if those are lies. But this is how a sinful heart works, and why it's so imperative for you to know yourself in reference to God's word. So God calls you to look at your life. He calls you to confess your sin. He calls you to hear his word. Because the day is surely drawing near when Jesus will return to judge the living and the dead. There's an urgency to this in your life as you think about living in this world and who you are in it. Advent always has this sense of urgency. And so God calls you to cast off the works of darkness, which are those things which separate you from God, which separate you from his kingdom, his eternal kingdom. The prince of this world is the devil, and he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour you. False gods take your eyes off Christ, and they put them onto hell. They also don't love your neighbor whom God has placed around you and uses you to serve, love, and confess the faith to in this world. Right before our epistle reading that picks up today, St. Paul says, Love does no wrong to a neighbor, because godly love toward the neighbor flows from faith in Christ, and it is guided by God's law, which is good and benefits everyone around you, even if you might not think that's the case. So take all this seriously this morning. Don't look at these things which go against God's word. You have specific examples of that in the epistle reading you heard a few minutes ago. Cast those off. Those are darkness. Walk properly in the light. Know who God has called you to be. Hear him. Listen to him. Repent. Know what governs your life and who is your true king. And flee from all that is false. And so then as we look at all of this, you see God knows. God knows about all of this and who you are in this world. There's no darkness in him. And he sees right through the darkness. So even when you hang down your head, when you don't want to make eye contact with him, he still sees right through you. He knows you. And he knew full well the seriousness of sin and at what lengths sinful man will go to so that he can live apart from God and his word. God knew this. And the only way for this to be answered for was for him to go into the depths of for him to go into the darkness of the fallen world himself in order to redeem his people. That is to buy them back and rescue them from sin and the death that is rightly and justly deserving of it. And so this is what God has done. This is who Jesus is as the king. Lift up your soul to him. Prophet Jeremiah beautifully foretold, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. God's wisdom and God's reign is truly accomplished in Christ, who is your righteousness. So now what does this mean? The king of kings is the one who laid aside his glory so that his kingdom could be given to the very ones who were rightly barred from it in Eden. He is the second Adam whose life was perfectly lived obedient to the law, who accomplished perfectly the will of his father. 
The righteous branch is the son of David who hung on the tree of a cross so that his people would be his branches, for he is the vine, as he said in John 15. The king became a servant to give his life as a ransom for you. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. And you see, this is you, dear Christians. Your Lord is the crucified and risen King. He is the righteous one who is your righteousness. He is the one who has come. He is the one who lifted out of you out of the depths. He is the one who has called you out of the darkness of your sin and enlightened you by the Holy Spirit through the gospel. No darkness can or did overcome Jesus, for he is the light of the world and you are his own. He lifts up your soul. He turns on the lights and brings you out of the darkness of, of the slavery of sin, death, and the power of the devil. He lifts up your heads and enlightened by the Holy Spirit. You see the gates fling wide open as the Lord, your Redeemer, has come to save and has done it. Most assuredly, most truly. You are waiting for the Lord and hope in his word as you see him this day riding through the streets of Jerusalem. Greet him as your king. Greet him as the one who alone is your righteousness. Cast aside your sin and greet him, for he comes and says, Dear child, your sin is forgiven. Lift up your soul to see what great lengths I have gone to so that you would be mine and live with me forever. Indeed, you are mine. That's your Lord who rode through the streets, your Lord who says that to you. And he comes now to you through his word and his sacraments, giving you forgiveness, life, and salvation. He's here even now, so greet him as the one who out of great love came down from heaven to earth for the purpose of dying for you, for making peace between you and God by the shedding of his blood, so that now you do not stand condemned in your sin and your head looking down on the day of judgment. No, this is Jesus, your king, who has done this, and you, will, you do and you will stand before the royal throne of God with your head held high, for your advocate is Christ, who pleads to the Father on your behalf who lays before him his righteousness, which has covered you in the waters of your baptism. That hymn of the day beautifully states it so well, how the Lord has had mercy on you and still does. Listen again to those words written by the great hymn writer Paul Gerhardt. Love caused your incarnation. Love brought you down to me. Your thirst for my salvation procured my liberty. A love beyond all telling that led you to embrace, and love, all love excelling, our lost and fallen race. Since death, that fearful burden cannot his love erase. Your guilt the Lord will pardon and cover by his grace. He comes for you procuring the peace of sin forgiven, his children thus securing eternal life in heaven. It doesn't get more beautiful than that in hearing and singing of Christ who has come down as your king. Love caused the incarnation of the Son of God in order that you would be redeemed from sin, death, and the devil, and he has done it. The victory has been won. Your idols are destroyed as you see Jesus crucified for you. You see your king who has brought you into his kingdom and who makes you an heir of all that he has done and all that he has. Who is God that he should do this all for you? Well, there is none other, for he is the Lord, your Lord, who loves you, forgives you, and gives this all to you freely and fully. What a joy it is to have such a king, such a God who calls you his own. 
This is your Lord Jesus, the Christ, your righteousness. And if this wasn't enough, God comes again and your soul lifts up your souls toward that day. Your prayer is answered and Jesus, your king who has come for you, is here now and who comes again. Those are the three comings of Advent. So even as he comes as your king to save you, he comes now to you in this very place to distribute and give out that salvation. Because your king is gracious and his mercy overflows in abundance time and time again. Looking back on this work of Jesus, you have it all now. And at the same time are looking forward to that final day when he makes all things new. And to be sure, though, there is a warning to those who would remain unrepentant. But dear people of God, that day can't come soon enough for you, dear baptized children of God. Again, that hymn beautifully states, He comes to judge the nations, a terror to his foes, a light of consolations and blessed hope to those who love the Lord's appearing. O glorious sun, now come and send forth your beams so cheering and guide us safely home. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust Let me not be put to shame. So looking to Christ, this is your confidence this day. Your confidence now and your confidence to stand before the judgment seat of God. Your righteous king has come with love beyond all telling, with love that led him to take on your sin upon himself and give you in exchange his righteousness and salvation. This is the confidence to lift up your soul and live in that righteous life that God has given to you. It's a new life that no longer is a slave to sin and looks forward to the future. It sees with wisdom, godly wisdom, where sin leads. It doesn't put your head down and run headlong toward the cliff, but in godly and righteous wisdom follows God's word as a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. It trusts his word, for it is the truth, even if the world around you tries to deceive you and turn off the light. It's the confidence that even as your body may decay, And even as you close your eyes in death, your soul continues to lift up its eyes to the Lord. For even though you die, you live and know the day will come when your body will rise again and look upon the Lord with your own two eyes in flesh and blood. And in all of this, in all of this, you will never be put to shame. But instead, you have the glory of God and the everlasting glory of salvation. God will never put you to shame. Dear people of God, Jesus has come. He comes to you now in his means of grace, and he will come again on the last day. Lift up your soul and greet him as your king who has done it, who has done wondrous things. Join with all of God's saints throughout time and now in this place. Fix your eyes on Jesus, lift up your soul, and trust in him. Greet him as your king now and when he comes again in glory. With eager anticipation, Know that no one who waits for him will be put to shame. Meet and greet your King Jesus with great joy and join with your fellow saints, the church, as you begin this new church year, lifting up your souls to him. And with renewed vigor, cry out, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.